Hey, I'm Nick Bordelin, and welcome to 14 Cannons Brewery and Showroom in Westlake Village. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Schmidt Beer, the brew that grew to be best in the Great Northwest. Your finest craft beer, Rocky. Man to man, smoke Roy Tan. everyone and welcome to the unfiltered gentlemen and now here are greg scott and dan coming at you ice cold and unfiltered oh yeah welcome in everybody the unfiltered gentleman i guess today is the unfiltered gentleman it's just greg today hanging out with you thanks for listening have a really great show for you i'm very excited i'm here at 14 cannons in westlake village california on location i'm with head brewer nick borderland you know, he's someone who's done some amazing things in the world of brewing. And in addition to his background and his history, we're also going to be doing a guided beer tasting. So he'll walk us through uh, what you should be tasting and smelling and all the sensories when you're drinking some of his beers here at 14 Cannons. Uh, 14 Cannons is more than just a brewery. It's a tap room. It's a great place to hang out. But it's also a showroom. And I know what you're thinking, like a car dealership kind of thing. No, beer dealership. It's better. But we'll let him talk about that in just a little bit. For now, let's talk to the head brewer and all-around brew genius himself, Nick Borland. Nick, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Greg. Yeah, you know, I found out about this place from a friend who's like, hey, come check out the soft opening. The soft opening led to uh, a lot of nights here at 14 Cannon. So, awesome. Very excited to come here. Um, we'll get into your history in a little bit. You have quite the history, quite the background in brewing. Um, before we get started, can you introduce us to our first beer you got lined up here? Our first beer is, uh, and apologies in advance, I'm a little under the weather today. I don't normally sound like there's a frog in my throat. <laughs> he does voiceovers for a living. Yeah. Um, but my, uh, the first beer we're trying today is Marooner Meritzen, and it is a true German-style Meritzen, which is an amber lager. Okay. Um, and I actually figured this is the unfiltered gentleman. I thought we'd Sir. pour a uh, sample right out of the fermenter today. So this is a Meritzen that's been lagering in the fermenter. Uh, it's about done. And it's just a lovely, I, I love the sweetness you get from the malts mm-hmm. and all the complex melanoidins that come along with that. But the the beer we're drinking right now, if you could see it, it it's uncarbonated and so a little hazy. It's yet to be run through our centrifuge. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the smell in it, it's got a little bit of that sweet caramel smell to it. Yep. Just a nice kind of, you know, you, you can already tell this is going to be easy to drink. This is going to go down nice and easy. It, it, it's a crusher. It's a little higher than the ABV at 5.3%. Uh, traditionally they're a little under five, but man, it, it's just something you can drink all day, super full bodied and just a nice clean lager. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, I can drink it all day, but it's not going to like blow out my taste buds or kick exactly. me in the teeth with too many hops or anything like that. Um, will it get any more carbonated or any more oh, yeah. as it gets? So like I mentioned, uh, we are very fortunate, uh, the showroom aspect of this place to have just a really just high end world-class centrifuge. That actually clarifies our beer and carbonates it in line. So all of our beers can be carbonated to whatever spec we want, and that happens instantly uh, as it's being clarified. We'll, we'll get some good CO2, some good carbonation on this, and get some nice uh, clean effervescence in your face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is really nice. This is definitely uh, an easy sipper, and one of the ones that's available all the time. And it is a core beer here. Yeah. yeah, it is a core beer. Unless, of course, you blow the keg last night. Yeah. But other than that, it's always <laughs> available. Um, all right, so let's talk about you. Let's talk about 14 Cannons. Um, you sort of hinted on 14 Cannons, not only new, but it, it's a pretty different concept in the world of breweries. It's not just a brewery. What right. are you guys doing here? So 
this whole idea was the just wild brainchild of the Marshall Group. They are a general contracting company, and their history is building restaurants in L.A. for 30-plus years. And then they got into craft beer a while back. Uh, they've built many of the yard houses. I'm sure all the ones you've been to up in Oxnard. <laughs> yeah. They built the yard house in Las Vegas, anyone in Burbank. Been to all those. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then after that, that kind of led them down the rabbit hole of building breweries. Okay. Um, so a lot of the just really nice high-end breweries in L.A. Uh, were a result of the Marshall Group's construction. Uh, they built the Arch District. They built Iron Triangle, hmm. Santa Monica Ale Works, uh, just to name a few. They're building the new Modern Times Dankness Dojo. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, in downtown L.A. That should be opening soon. And it's just, it's kick-ass. I've been going down there and seeing the con- construction progress, and it's going to be a really cool spot. They're also building a new Noble Ale Works down in Anaheim. Um, wow. And so because of that, general contractors are normally on the back end of things. Normally, if you wanted to open a brewery, you would pick out everything you want, you'd get your architect, and then you'd say, oh, now I need to hire someone to build it. Right. So the Marshall Group's trying to be on the front end of things and show people what they can build. Um, this is a very nice space, and we have a lot yeah. of you know, a lot of high-end options, a lot of you know, bells and whistles that startup breweries definitely don't normally have just to kind of get clients uh, from the get-go and say, you know, we can build this and we can scale it to any size you'd like. Sure, yeah. You can have all these tanks, but if you only need a couple, you can have a couple. Exactly. And I'll have pictures on our social medias and all that so you guys can see how cool it is in here. And the tasting room is really cool, too. Do you guys, do you like do any sort of uh, teaching people how to use the equipment and that kind of stuff? Totally. Um, Everyone that we're working with on, you know, building breweries and and it's the equipment we have, for example, I've already mentioned the centrifuge a couple of times. Yeah. Um, we have, it's a, a centrifuge by ProBrew, and they're out of Wisconsin. Everyone in California that wants a new piece of equipment, instead of having to go to Wisconsin to check one out, they can come here, and I, I show them the ropes, and we actually spin a batch of beer live, and they, they see how it works in real time. That's really cool. Where does the name come from? Name's a great story. Um, so when Marshall and I were talking about what do we name a brewery, uh, we just kept coming back to this story of... His great-great-great-uncle was an actual captain on a pirate ship during the uh, Revolutionary War. That's and awesome. The ship sailed out of Boston. So to us, I guess they were privateers, but to the British, they were pirates because <laughs> um, they were just terrorizing the British. Sure. Um, and that ship was called the Tyrannicide. Okay. And that is actually the name of our core IPA that we'll be tasting in a little bit. Nice. Um, but that's kind of a funky word, kind of hard to spell, kind of <laughs> hard to say. Uh, Tyrannicide, which means uh, tyrant killer. Okay. the tyrant being England at the time. So it's not a dinosaur. Not a dinosaur, yeah. The story that we kept coming back to was that Tyrannicide ship, had, it was a 14-cannon gunship. And so okay. we kind of thought that it's just an awesome story that you know a family member was actually a pirate, and it's kind of built-in branding. Yeah. And so we had you know had a lot of fun coming up with that, and so we're 14 cannons. That's really cool. It's better than just like insert city here, brewery, you know, like right, right. I mean, brewery. Everything's or... been done with you know yeah. six, 7,000 breweries in America now. Right. Um, and even in the yeah. little old town of Westlake, there's what five now. Yeah, there, yeah. There, there's a lot of us now. And so that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> really cool. Um, your history, your previous day job had nothing to do with brewing. So I went to college for music education. Yeah, um, and I, that's what moved me to California. And thankfully, so right out of school, I moved to Southern California to Temecula to be a music educator. And I'm a trumpet player by trade. And I just fell in love with the craft beer culture down in San Diego. I'd never experienced anything like it. So I grew up in Reno, Nevada and just coming from small town, little Reno with like one decent craft brewery at the time. Now there's a lot of awesome ones, you know, like revision just opened and 
Uh, Pigeonhead is my favorite lagering company. Nice. It was like 160 at this point, I think. Yeah, in, so, in San Diego, it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. And I was a home brewer all through college. Okay. And so being a home brewer and then just moving to craft beer mecca, um, just, you know, I, I got the itch and was very fortunate to get my first job at uh, Ween's Brewing Company down in Temecula. Okay. Um, went to their grand opening and it was just, it was the best IPA I'd ever have. I was like, how is this possible? <laughs> you open today. I've gone to Stone. I've gone to Best right. Point. You know, like all the, all the crushers down there, Alpine. And how are you making the best IPA I've ever had? And turns out uh, there's a good answer to that. And the brewmaster at the time was mm. Peter Weens. Okay. And he was a former brewmaster at Budweiser. Oh, wow. So he had, you know, big beer training, uh, crazy quality control, obviously. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, you know, say what you will about the, the macro beers, um, but they're consistent. And yeah, quality I mean, is insane. You can hate Budweiser all you want, but every can tastes the same. Exactly. You've never had a can that tastes different. Right. Um, so I was very fortunate to get my, you know, my tutelage and, and start my, my craft brewing career under such guidance. That's really cool. Before we get into some more, what do we have next up here in our lineup? So the next beer we have is our One Cannon. And One Cannon is a single hop IPA, a rotating single hop series. Okay. A lot of breweries do this, mm-hmm. and, you know. Topa Topa crushes it with their single hop series. Uh, so does El Segundo, just name a few. Yeah, Brewers love doing this because we get to experiment with new hops. And for the consumer, too, it's fun to teach all of our customers about the different varietals of hops. Yeah, it's fun to learn what different hops taste like. You know, a lot of people don't realize, like, oh, this one has, you know, orange qualities. This one exactly. has pineapple qualities. So this, this is our freshest batch of one cannon. And this features a, a newer hop called Equinot. You know, it's just a crusher. It's Equinot. I get a lot of just resiny stone fruit on the nose just super aromatic yeah that's that's really dank yeah and then and then you sip it and it's like juicy and a little tropical so you get like all the dankness and then all of a sudden you're like wow this is like you know citra or mosaic-esque yeah dank kind of hits you up front and then you get that tropical fruit going yeah, through it's and, a lot of fun yeah um, and so we will you know be rotating this so far we're going through a batch a 20 barrel batch of this about every month okay um, and every batch is a different hop. And so every batch will do a, a new fun hop. Our previous uh, one we had on was Idaho 7, and that was fantastic. That was my first time using that hop. That's a pretty new one, right? Yeah, newer hop as yeah. well. Um, so just all the newer hop varietals that I don't have a lot of experience with, we're going to make a one cannon with, and it's going to be fun for both you know me on the production side of things and also all the consumers get to taste all these new hops. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and fun for you to, to really kind of hone in like what each thing tastes like, too. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. So kind of back into you while I sip on this. This is great. Um, let's talk about kind of what inspired you to get in. When did you start brewing? You said you homebrewed in college. Yeah, like, homebrewed all through college. Was that out of necessity because you were poor? Or? I mean, kind of. Yeah. You know, we were definitely on that top ramen budget. Right. Um, but the house I was living in, uh, two of my roommates worked at a little pub in downtown Reno um, called Silver Peak. They were bartenders there. And they just would, were putting out some really quality brews. And so we wanted to you know, get in on that. And so we could steal a handful of grain here and there and mm-hmm. brew a five-gallon batch. You know, we started with an extract kit like everyone mm-hmm. and worked our way up. You, know, you brew five gallons every single Saturday, but in the semester, you have a lot of beer to go through. What a <laughs> so, shame that must yeah, be. Yeah, so we had a lot of fun doing that. And then what really set it off for me was after that experience, I was fortunate enough to go study abroad okay, um, for music, and I got to study in Prague in the Czech Republic. Wow. It turns out that's the birthplace of Pilsner. <laughs> right. Czech so, Pils makes sense. Yeah, so uh, Pilsner Quell out there in the town of Pilsen, 
where Pilsner gets his name. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was fantastic because it was I probably like a 50 cent bus ride out to Pilsen in American <laughs> currency. And then you take the tour and you get a couple free pints of Pilsner or Quell. What um, a shame. That yeah, was what me. a shame. Yeah. So it's like, oh, if I had nothing to do on a Saturday, I'll spend 50 cents and go get a bunch of free Pilsner. Right. <laughs> really good Pilsner. Yeah, yeah world too. class. And, you know, the, the tour is amazing. And so you'd get Pilsner straight from the underground caverns that's been lagering in their wood tanks. That's and, awesome. Yeah, so cool. So was it even temperature controlled or is it just... Just underground. It's always cold, so we yeah, walk yeah, here. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They have a bunch of tunnels that date back to, you know, pre-First World War. Jeez. And so now all the tunnels in the town of Pilsen are literally just full of beer aging. That's awesome. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah, that's really cool. Did you get to, like, do any sort of internships or, or brew with anybody? Not out there, there no. Um, you know, on top of that whole experience, my apartment that the study abroad program put me in, um, the American apartments, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, was right on top of a microbrewery. What a shame. So, I, I mean, I had to walk through the kitchen to get it to my room. Right. <laughs> and, and, you, and you come downstairs in the morning and, you know, a, a half liter of beer is seven cents or a bottle of water is a buck fifty. So I think I'll have beer. Yeah. Stay hydrated. Yeah. It was fantastic. That is awesome. So you talked about you, you started at Ween. And then after that, you went to a, a local local here, uh, well-known brewery called Figaro Mountain. Correct. So Where- I started in Buellton up there. Okay. Um, so I went on to... So Peter Weens left uh, the brewery to go to Stone, and he ran Stone Richmond for a while. And I moved up to head brewer there, and that was a really great learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, my first time, you know, starting to put a team together and, and doing everything. And we were self-distributed at the time. So doing everything from, you know, from grain in to selling the case of beer on the shelf at the grocery store. Wow. So you kind of got the whole picture. The whole picture. It was a great learning experience. Uh, and then when it was time to move on uh, to, you know, a brewery that was a little more established, mm-hmm. um, I was fortunate enough to get hired by Figaro Mountain. And I went up and lived in Buellton for a while. And, you know, that's they're doing crazy production up there. They have a 15-barrel brew house, mm-hmm. and they're putting out, like, 20,000-plus barrels of beer a year. That's insane. So they're brewing all day, every day, like four batches a day. So I got the the real production experience there. You probably got to hang out at Barrel Works a little bit. Oh, <laughs> like lunch every day. It's great. Yeah. yeah, that's not so bad. Yeah, um, you were part of a really cool team there, and you guys won a ton of medals at GABF and other. Competitions. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's how I first learned to fig. Is you know who's this little brewery on the Central Coast just crushing it at competitions? Yeah, um, I think one year they got like California Brewery of the Year. Yeah, that happened. I think two years ago, I was part of that team. Yeah, um, fortunate enough to to do that. Um, they're headed up by uh, brewer David right now, and he's just a phenomenal brewer. Um, so they're they're doing things right still, uh, making great mm-hmm. beer. Can you can you brag a little about some of your medals and awards? So when I was there, uh, our team put together six GABF medals, and that was just an unreal experience. Yeah, I bet. And I was also fortunate enough to be a part of the team that won a gold at a World Beer Cup. Wow! Um, for a German dark lager. Um, which is just so cool to win in the lager category in World Beer Cup because you have all the German breweries competing. Right. That's uh, pretty insane. Yeah. So it, it was a lot of fun. It was just a great time, um, good atmosphere with a good team of brewers. And then I had the opportunity to uh, build a new pub here in Westlake mm-hmm. that uh, is Figaro Mountain and had a blast just going back to small batch and making weird different beers every day. Yeah. Uh, and not doing the daily production grind. And then here we are. That's really cool. What kind of... Um for lack of a better term, education as far as brewing. I mean, obviously on the job, education. But. Right. So I actually uh, went to the American Brewers Guild. Okay. So I have uh, my degree in brewing science and uh, 
uh, engineering. Wow, so you get to learn about the nerdy water exactly. pH levels. Oh, and totally. <laughs> and, and we're doing it right here at 14 Cannons. Um, we have a water system uh, supplied by Equipure, and so we have 100% RO water. And what that means for the layman is every single beer has its own unique water recipe. You uh, can kind of control the pH so, on everything? Yeah, and yeah pH, mineral content. Um, so we can mimic beer styles from around the world here. Okay. I mean, like... For those that don't know, like IPA is usually like a higher pH, right? Yeah, and, and you want, you know... More crap in the water. <laughs> yeah, you want, you want a lot of gypsum in the water, and yeah. you, you want the hops to scream through. And then, you know, if we want really soft water for brewing, you know, a Pilsner or a Meritzen, uh, we can make that happen as well. Yeah, I heard from a brewer down in San Diego that the reason that San Diego IPAs are so popular and so good is because their water is such crap. It, it's, it's a hard water source, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that really, you know lends itself just to a hoppy beer so you, you cover up any anything uh any off flavors that you could get and for the longest time that's why a lot of san diego breweries weren't moving east uh it's because they were worried about mimicking water that's fine and so they i think all those san diego breweries that are brewing elsewhere now you know they do some kind of ro blend or something like that to achieve the same san diego water source interesting um is there a certain style of beer that you like to stick to like if you could i mean i obviously do love uh lagers like we've talked about with the Czech Republic and all that. And we do have a lagering tank here at 14 Cannons. Um, it's one of our show pieces that I think is really unique. Uh, it's rare to go into a craft brewery and see a, a giant lagering tank just sitting in there when you walk in. Right. But, you know, IPAs, getting my, you know, my, my start down in San Diego. Um, I love a West Coast classic clear IPA. Who doesn't? I mean, right. Come yeah. On. yeah. Yeah. It's California. That's what yeah. sells. And I think we have how many on tap? One, two, three, four, five. I have six on tap right now. Right. So. And they're all clear. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> we'll get into that in a second. Um, all right. What do we have here uh, next in line? So the third beer we're going to drink today is our, speaking of, core house IPA. And this is, we alluded to it at the beginning, this is Tyrannicide IPA. And this is a 7.5% substantial IPA. So it's dry hopped with Simcoe, Mosaic, and Equinot. Okay. Uh, double dry hopped. So you, it just has a huge nose. And this is a beer that I kind of brewed just to smell. I, if I could just stick my nose in a glass of this yeah. and walk around all day, I'd be so happy. It's like sticking your nose into a pine forest. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. Yeah, this and, is and nice. then you know drinks nice and fruity with those hops. Yeah, well balanced. Uh, definitely a little bit of fruit in there. You also get a nice like uh, a malt base. That was hard to say. You do. So it's only fifty three IBUs. Okay. Um. So I think the trend now in IPAs is to you know shy away from the extreme bitterness. Mm-hmm. That was maybe a, a pre twenty ten trend of just who can make the most bitter IPA, and now it's all about balance and we're seeing you know everyone wants the juicy hazy ipa and i really think that stems from you know people like an easy drinking ipa yeah uh, which you know translates to less bitterness yeah it it seems like uh we were gonna go as high as we could with the ibus and we did and we did and and then people like all right now let's see what we can do yeah there's a reason that you're not seeing arrogant bastard on the shelves anymore right you know just that kind of bitterness in your face doesn't really sell anymore yeah, and it's kind of interesting. I love the the balanced IB, uh, the, IBs, the balanced IPAs. Right. Uh, I love having something like the. I like what they're doing now with the double IPAs, where it might be ninety IBUs, but you drink it's like this drinks like it's forty IBUs. I mean, they just cover it up well for and, sure. And it's it's kind of a cool thing to see people actually, you know, instead of just seeing how many hops they can pack into it, see how balanced they can make it. Yeah, and and the more you know, we have a ton of breweries now, obviously. And I think the more educated brewers we get, that steps up competition for everyone. Yeah. So you can't really do things like just, oh, I'm going to throw four boxes of hops in the Whirlpool and see what happens. <laughs> um, now it's all about, you know, who can write a good recipe and who can make 
balanced, consistent beer. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really fun thing to to try and, and to see what's going on. Um, walk us through a typical brew day here for you. So typical brew day, we have a lovely production brew house uh, from Premier Stainless and most craft breweries in California are rocking the Premier mm-hmm. team because they're out of Escondido, so they are local. Okay. Speaking of local, Chris Ennegrin in Moorpark um, came over and he programmed the brew house for me. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so he, he works for Premier a little bit uh, as a computer engineer. And so I have an a automated 10-barrel system here, uh, which makes life pretty sweet. But it also means that we can make really consistent beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means batch to batch, we're not going to have a lot of variation. That's always nice. And, and that's the goal for any production brewery. Right. And so that process takes us a, about eight hours uh, from, from mashing to grain out. We're brewing into mostly 20-barrel tanks. Okay. So we'll double batch. Either we'll do two batches in a day or we'll do uh, two days in a row. Okay. And you guys have only been open officially since October. We opened October 7th. Um, how many you know barrels do you, I can't say per year, but how many do you think you're going to be putting out per year? So my initial goal was it'd be fantastic to just reach that 1,000 barrel mark. Okay. Um, but we are already at 300 barrels in two months. That's pretty good. So we're <laughs> flying through beer. Yeah. And so I'd like to, you know, see if we can keep up with that insane pace. Yeah. Um, we have no outside sales as of yet. Um, I mean, we're selling kegs to some restaurants and bars locally. Sure. But we don't have a salesperson yet. Um, so it's all still kind of word of mouth. Um, so people are just coming in and, and buying the shit out of it, really. Yeah, and you know, and I'm getting people calling asking, "Can I have your beer at my restaurant?" Uh, which is just a great problem to have. Yeah. And so we'd like to move forward and you know get some self distribution happening. You know, we're looking to actually hire some people soon. We're looking for a salesperson, some drivers. Oh, hey, check the website, people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's coming. Job postings coming soon. And so if we can keep up with that pace, that'd be that'd be fantastic. That's very cool. Are you uh, are you doing everything solo right now? I have an assistant brewer. Okay. Um, his name is Andres Abrego, and he is just a workhorse. Uh, I was fortunate enough. I've worked with him for the better part of a year and a half, two years now, mm-hmm. off and on. You know, I, I was able to train him and kind of do everything uh, the weird Nick way, as we like to <laughs> say here. We have some Nickisms that Andres deals with. Um, but Fair enough. he's just a great guy, and he's actually on vacation this week. Well-deserved vacation time for him. Um, but he is doing every process with me side by side. So that's awesome. Uh, we're brewing together. We're, you know, finishing beer together, dry hopping and everything. Nice. Uh, how much, and I assume complete, but how much creative control do you have over the recipes? Uh, I, I have complete. Okay. Um, so that, that's one of the things that, you know, makes working with the Marshall group just fantastic is they just want good beer for me. Yeah. Um, and luckily we haven't run into any issues yet. <laughs> that's good. Uh, what's a big difference between working you know, another brewery that's got a lot of distribution and that you're really trying to produce for, and then here where you're really just making it for the, for, you know, the, the tap room. Well, the creative side of things is much different. So instead of having to focus on just you know, one or four core beers that you're you're pumping out for distribution, you know, we have a good lineup um, with I think 15, 16 different beers right now, um, and it's kind of something for everyone. So it's a little bit of a pub atmosphere, mm-hmm. and I, I learned that working at the pub here uh, in town. That if you brew something for everyone, you know, you're, you're going to have a, a better customer base. Yeah. So we have, you know, the light beers, the gluten-free blonde, down to a chai tea brown ale. Yeah, which is super weird, but really good. Yeah. It just, I, and it's experimenting with stuff like that's really fun. Yeah. And we do, we are figuring out now that we've been open for two and a half months, you know, we're figuring out what our core beers are going to be. 
Um, definitely the tyrannicide that we're drinking right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone through, I think, six batches of that already. It was the first one I ever had when I walked in. Excellent. Yeah. So it's in, you know, we're really happy with that. Our pale ale is super popular with accounts of mm-hmm. uh, outside distribution. Um, so we're keeping up with the pale ale pretty good. I'm actually brewing a new batch of that tomorrow. Nice. The lagers, like we've been talking about this whole podcast. So we have a, a Pilsner, a Czech style Pilsner. Weird, right? Right. <laughs> And then that Meritson we had. Yeah. And then from that, there on, we're just going to, we're just having fun and seeing, you know, what different styles of IPA we can make. Um, we have a rye IPA out right now that oh, nice. I, I absolutely love. Yeah. You know, if that turned into a core beer, I wouldn't be mad. Right. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of just seeing like what people like. Yeah. And, just what sticks with, with the local yeah. market and what we can, you know, produce often enough and keep up with. Yeah. You know, one thing that I thought was really cool is I recently saw you pouring at one of the, the local events here. Um, is it, is it fun to get out there and see what people think of your beer or is it like, oh shit, I hope they like it. No, that's, that's the best part of the job, honestly, and not to be like cliche, um, is to share your beer with people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, for people that don't know, this is just an extremely labor intensive, um, you know, job. Yeah. You know, I, I tell people, everyone that, you know, I'm just a glorified janitor. Like 90% of being a brewer is just cleaning and scrubbing. That's why I tell people when they yeah. ask me about homebrewing, I'm like, it's a lot of cleaning and, it's just and cleaning. a hint of yeah. brewing. Yeah. You know, you, unfortunately, I don't just get to sit around and drink all day. Yeah. Um, like some people think that's what a brewer does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so when you get to go out to events and, you know, and be the guy that made the beer and share it with the public, it's just so much fun. Yeah. I would imagine. We kind of hinted towards it earlier. There's a few breweries in the area. There's five now. Right in Westlake alone. Yeah. Let alone, you know, down the hill, there's Institution, Ventura, there's a few popping up. Is it like a rivalry with all these guys or is it part no. of a cool club to be in? It, like- it's, it's, you want to be in, in the cool club. You want to be <laughs> just a good neighbor and, and that's, and that's it. It's just being, you know, communal. Yeah. Um, we're, we're trying to start a, some little marketing here locally in Westlake. We're, so we're in the same parking lot as Westlake Brewing Company. Right. And then the driveway over is Five Threads Brewing right. Company. And so we're we're trying to come up with some kind of branding like the beer muta triangle or something like that, you know, where That'd you can, awesome. yeah, you can park your car and walk to all three. Like, oh yeah, that there's not a lot of towns, including San Diego, that you can do that. Right. Most places you have to drive to. So I think that that's you know a, an offering that we have here in Westlake that's kind of unique. And I don't know people that are from the area that have ever been to Westlake. One thing to know is in the summer they have the Westlake trolley that goes around. Yep. It actually hits every single. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. The, the trolley stops at all the breweries. It's yeah, great. Yeah. You can even get off at the uh, city hall stop and then go across to Wade's wines where they have Malibu sundowner brewing. So, uh, it's more like the brewery trolley than anything. That's what we always use it for. Yeah. Uh, us too. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, do you have any aspirations of opening your own place or do you just like to focus on the brewing? No, this is it for me. Um, I, I would like to never have to build another brewery again. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of work that goes into that. It took us about a year here to the build out. Um, and so I, I'd be really happy if, you know, I got to stay here and put some roots down. That'd be awesome. We kind of talked a little bit about what's different with 14 Cannons, but as far as the brewery is concerned, like what's different? What kind of sets you apart from other breweries in the area? So we approached the branding and everything here. We wanted to come across as the premium option in Westlake. So it starts the moment you walk in the door. If you haven't been here, it's all wood. The walls are wood. You walk into a gorgeous wood Jenga looking wall. Yeah. Super cool Um, vibe. Yeah. We wanted a nice loungy vibe. Right now we're sitting in some like comfy suede booths. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're all over the brewery. 
I mean, there's ski ball in the back. How awesome and there's is that? you know I'm a child, so we, <laughs> we, you got to have ski ball too, and it, and it's great for the kids. So we are a family environment as well. We got just tons of board games and um, to hang out, which is you know most breweries do. That's what mm-hmm. craft beer is all about. Yeah. Uh, it was being communal. Yeah, and last year I came in, uh, watched the World Series Dodgers action. Like you guys got it all going on. It's yeah, awesome. we have four TVs. A couple of them are the eighty-five inches, mm-hmm. um, and we have the Direct TV package. So any game you want, we can play. Yeah, it's awesome, and even better for me at least. Uh, you like you guys allow dogs in, in the room, and well, yeah, I mean my dog's here on some brew days, so it'd be a little nice. hypocritical if I <laughs> <laughs> didn't allow dogs in. Yeah, I had my dog with his Dodger jersey on. It was great. Yeah, craft beer in general. Why is it growing so rapidly? Um. Every community needs a local craft brewer. Okay. Uh, and, that, and that's why it's doing, it's so successful because um, the margin's there and it, you shouldn't have to drive more than 10 miles to find just fantastic, delicious beer. I agree. And for us locally with this little Beer Muta Triangle in Westlake. <laughs> we um, get that started. Hashtag yeah, we, Beer yeah, ha- Triangle. I, I, I like it. The more foot traffic everyone else gets, the better. So, you know, we're constantly sending people over, like, have you been to Five Threads yet? You need to go next door to Five Threads and try their beer. And and it happens vice versa. We get people coming in every day saying, oh, we were just at Westlake Brewing and they told us to come up. Yeah, I've been at Five Threads when people have come in and said, hey, where's the band? And Tim, the, the brewer there who's been on the show, he's, oh, that's that's Westlake. That's around the corner. Here's how you get there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a nice little uh, community of, you know, go check out these guys. Yeah, and so back to what sets us apart. You know, we all have a totally different vibe going on. So like you yes. just alluded to, like Westlake Brewing, fantastic concert space. Yeah. You know, I've actually been fortunate enough to play there uh, oh, nice. with one of my bands and it's a lot of fun. And then you, you go to Five Threads and you get to sit down with Tim the Brewer and he just has a super awesome, just friendly coffee shop vibe. And I love going in there and seeing a bunch of people on their laptops just working. Yeah. You know, that's such a cool <laughs> environment to just... You know, open up your laptop, and instead of sitting at Starbucks, you get to go sit at a local craft brewery. Yeah, get that like, creative beer going. Yeah, well, and you know, and support local. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way better. Um, what do you think is the biggest barrier to craft beer and its growth? The barrier is uh, space on the shelf, and mm-hmm. and that's speaking to off-premise accounts. Uh, so your grocery stores and your liquor stores. Right. The the big boys, you know, have ninety something percent of the market share. Yeah, and. There's so many craft beers now that how do you compete for shelf space? Well, and you see, you talk about the big boys. You see all this quote unquote craft beer, and then you, if you actually look at it, you realize like, oh, most of this is owned by the big right. boys. Right. Like the the craziest thing here in LA is looking at every grocery store you go into. Mm-hmm. Look at how much Golden Road is on the right. shelves now, you know, and it they just blew up after the Budweiser buyout, obviously. Yeah. Because uh, they had the distribution arm to do that. And so for us startups, it's like, well, how do I get my cans on the cold shelf when there's, you know, seven different cases of Golden Road there? Yeah. You know, out there, we're, we're talking about M Special, which is up in uh, Santa Barbara area. I, yeah, I love those guys. Oh, they're so good. And they were on the show seven, eight months ago. Um, or Josh was. I walked into my new Vons. We just moved a few months back. I walked into Vons and they had the whole end cap just full of M Special. Which like, is super cool. I was that's like, great. that's awesome. Yeah. That is so cool to see that. Yeah, they, they had an awesome salesperson doing that then for sure. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah. Uh, and you talked about like Golden Road kind of, you know, being everywhere. I remember the first time I saw Space Dust, you know, like Legion Space Dust. Right. In a Vons, in a grocery store. I Googled like, when did they get bought out? Yep. Like, oh, they just got bought out. No yep. wonder I can see them in Vons now. Like, it was, it was so unfortunate. Yeah, we used to run to that line at every beer festival to try right. and get some fresh Space Dust. And now it's like, oh, cool. It's like... 
dry hopped in a Budweiser thousand <laughs> barrel fermenter. Like, yeah. You know, but it's everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Since you guys are, are fairly new, 14 cans, not you, obviously. Right. 14 cans is fairly new. How do you how do you get the word out there? How do you how do you tell people to come check us out? You know, we've been really lucky. Uh, we haven't paid for any advertising yet. Oh, wow. Um, so we've just been word of mouth. So I, I'm a firm believer that if you make good beer, they will come. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, if you brew it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Andres and I are working hard every day to, to make that a reality. Yeah, it shows. It definitely shows. All right, we have one last beer here. So our last beer, this is uh, a, a dessert ale, as I've coined it. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not really good with naming beers, so it <laughs> is called Peanut Butter Cup, and it tastes like a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. There you go. It's a little nod to Noble's Naughty Sauce. Okay. So it's the base beer here is like a blonde stout, if you will. And yeah, then, if you see it up on the menu, you're thinking like, oh, it must be like a dark. Right. It's yeah. not the Belching Beaver peanut butter stout. Right. Not at all. Not at all. So when it pours, you know, it pours a nice blonde color. Um, and then the nose, I just get a ton of peanut butter on the nose. Yeah. And then drinks, and I get a lot of lovely chocolate on on the finish. Yeah, you kind of get on the, on the tongue, you get peanut butter up front, but then it finishes with some nice chocolate. Yeah. And so the chocolate is, I mean, and this is a beer that I thought I would brew once and never have to make again. <laughs> um, I thought I'd just have some fun. Yeah. Like, like we were talking about having variety of the pub style and this is quickly becoming one of our best sellers, um, which is, you know, a good and bad thing. You know? Right. Yeah. As a brewer, you want to be known for your world-class lagers or your crazy IPAs. And we have people coming here from all over the state. Really? Yeah. We've had people drive eight hours to get here. Wow. And then I, I said, why are you here? Like, oh, we heard you had a peanut butter cup beer. It's like, <laughs> are you serious? There's now a black market for Yeah, which is great, though. Um, you know, it's a huge compliment. But anyway, this beer is made using a newer product uh, called Cholaca. Okay. And Cholaca is just pure liquid cacao. Oh. Um, so instead of using cocoa nibs, mm-hmm. like many homebrewers listening i'm sure you've you've played around with because they're awesome right it is just a liquid form of coconuts basically okay um and when i tried that product at the last craft beer conference in washington dc i was like how do i incorporate this into a beer yeah because um, it's just such a cool chocolate product it's you know it's not extract yeah it's, it's real it's pure chocolate. yeah cacao and apparently the the color doesn't affect the beer too much no, uh, the, the beer's a lot lighter um, when we first make it. So anyway, I just tried to find a product that I could make with that. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend makes me this peanut butter pie for my birthday every year. And for years, I've been trying to figure out, like, how do I incorporate this into a beer? Just because who doesn't love a giant Reese's peanut butter cup, you That's, know? Yeah. Um, it's the best thing. It's the best thing about Christmas when you have the big Reese's cups. Right. So this is that end result. So, like I said, it's just a nice blonde stout base. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a substantial beer, though. It's 7.5% alcohol. Um, and it doesn't drink like it. No, it doesn't drink boozy it at all. It sneaks up on you. It does. Yeah. But that, that's why it's a, you know, it's the, the nightcap beer, if you will. It's, it's the dessert. Yeah. Literally, every time we're here, this is the last beer I have. Perfect. Yeah. I usually have a couple of one hops, maybe a Tyrannicide. Yep. And then, or one can, excuse me. And then... Uh, peanut butter cup on the end yeah and you're good to go yeah it's so good all right i love asking brewers this especially on the west coast and i think we've kind of hinted towards it what do you think about the hazy ipa movement well i think it's here to stay the last year or so we've all been kind of wondering if this is going to be a fad if it's going to go away um, and i don't think it is mm-hmm. uh, because it has such a strong following now and we're starting to see some of the big you know macro craft beers tackle this style 
You know, I think mm-hmm. I think Stone's coming out with one this year. I wouldn't be surprised if we see like Firestone come out with a hazy IPA package. Yeah, they, oh God, what is it? I think they sort of have. Right, I can't think of the name of it. Yeah, so, and we're, we're starting to see that from a lot of the big guys that package. Um, so, so that's why I think it's here to stay. My thoughts on it are, if it's done well and you drink it fresh, mm-hmm. it can be an incredible experience. The problem is we get too many you know, startup brewers or brewers without enough experience that are making just an unfinished product. Yes. And no one wants to drink Troub. <laughs> no one wants to drink <laughs> the dead yeast and right. hot particles. Um, and then I also see some brewers doing the hazy IPA with like, you know, Cal L yeast or hmm. your, your standard San Diego super yeast, uh, which for those of you who don't know, that's the, the yeast that a West coast IPA is made with. Right. So the whole New England fad, I think that comes from the strain of yeast that they were using over there. So if it's a yeast-driven product, I think that's great. You know, if the yeast is attributing to that juiciness and a lot of that floral aroma, then I think you've done it well. And, you know, beers with yeast in solution is not new. Like, Germany's been making Hefeweizens for how many years? You know, centuries? Ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think we will figure out a way to package them responsibly. Mm -hmm. Because that's the other thing is you get these small breweries that have the mobile canning line come in that just obliterates your beer. And it probably has a shelf life of like seven days. Right. And then, and, and I see the social media posts all the time. These people, I won't name names, but are waiting in lines at these breweries. Heady topper. And then they save the beer for, you know, a month. And then their social media posts will say, Oh, this beer turned. Right. And then you see like this brown looking beer in the glass. It's just gross. And it's like so bad. Just yeast autolysis. I, I've had one of those. I've traded with somebody on the mm-hmm. East Coast and they sent me some fresh ones. And one I let sit a little too long. And by a little too long, I mean like two weeks. Right. That's by crazy. The time I got to it, it was, it was not so, good. So, you know, any responsible brewer, production brewer, should be concerned about shelf life of their product. Yeah. It's one of the really smart things that like Stone is doing with the Enjoy Buys. Right. As well as Firestone with the Luponic Distortion. Absolutely. They say this should be had within 90 days of production. Right. And it's a really smart thing to do. But if you're doing a hazy IPA and it has a shelf life of seven days, I don't think that's a responsible, you know, thing to do with your beer. Yeah. Um, So I think the style will will stay. Um, I think that we need new style guidelines Mm -hmm. um, for like GABF and bjcp because it's not a traditional ipa you know right. it doesn't have the bitterness mm-hmm. um that makes an ipa an ipa right it's just kind of a, a dry hopped hefeweizen sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and so i think we need uh, some new guidelines and if the beer is yeast driven yeast forward um like i think alvarado street's doing a really good job with their hazies because they're they're experimenting with different yeast strains and telling you about it so just like yeah. we're doing our one cannon with the you know experimenting with different hops right um, there's some brewers doing these hazies with different yeast strains, and that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, but I think we need a new, you know, category for this this juice craze. And I don't know about you. I mean, it reminds me of, of uh, kind of you know the West Coast IPAs, where it's like, how hoppy can we make it? It seems to be doing the same thing. Like, how juicy and hazy and cloudy can we make it? And then it's going to find its kind of endpoint, and then they're going to really kind of refine it. And it's yeah. And and again, like like I said, we I think we're seeing some brewers. You know, do it well, and they're, they're refined it already, and they're they're not. You know, I've heard horror stories of people making a hazy IPA <laughs> by just throwing some adjunct in the whirlpool right. or something like that, like I've a bag flour, of flour. Yeah. yeah, which is you know that's not it. No, that's that's an IPA with flour in it. Right, yeah. but I I'm anxious to see. I'm sure 
a Matt Brendelson type, a brewmaster at Firestone. I'm sure someone of his caliber sure. is going to come up with a way to package this beer responsibly, just like Hefeweizens have been packaged for centuries. Right. One of the, I think, and you tell me what you think. I think one of the best uh, hazy, quote unquote, hazy IPAs I've had has been the West Coast nod to a hazy IPA, where it's it's very much you know brewed out here, but they made it hazy, and it it didn't have all the chunks like that's what i don't like about a lot of the new england it has chunk it feels like you're drinking orange juice i, I don't, don't want to see a milkshake in my glass Thank yeah you. That, yeah yeah um no protein shakes yeah no, no none of that but if you just get a fantastic ipa and it's unfiltered and it was brewed with a yeast strain that stays in solution mm-hmm. so if you're brewing it with you know a english style yeast strain or a new england style yeast strain sure um then yeah, then it's going to be great unfiltered. Yeah. Uh, but if you're forcing, you know, the beer to come out of the fermenter a week early, that's, you know, again, that's not really responsible brewing. Um, but I think like we talked about earlier, the more and more competition there is, then the good brewers are going to rise above the rest. And I don't see a problem with, uh, good brewers finding a sustainable solution to this beer style. Yeah. Uh, last question for me before we get to listener questions, how has the internet, changed beer and brewing you know things like untapped and beer advocate and all that stuff it's changed it quite a lot um my first time being on you know the the business owner side of things here with my partnership with 14 cannons um and seeing the kind of money that these people are demanding um so currently we're not paying for untapped uh because we can't afford to okay um you know they want almost a thousand dollars a year really just for me to be able to provide feedback to the consumers using the app on their smartphone. That's free. Wow. So that's why it's free for consumers. You know, w- I would love to be able to respond to every single person that, you know, checks in one of my beers. Sure. But it's, it's just not a sustainable thing yet. And then with, uh, I think it was ratebeer.com got bought out by Budweiser. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Rate beer. Yeah. So, you know, that's too bad. And people are still putting stock into, you know, unfortunately what that website says. Yeah. Um, so that's worrisome on the production side of things for me as well. Um, Because I don't want to see them, you know, drive any styles or, you know, guidelines towards the beers they own. Right. Or or just, you know, the simple unfairness of like, oh, hey, look at this. Space Dust has 100%. Right. You know, exactly. why do they have 100%? And and you know, and and beer is a very subjective thing. Everyone has different taste buds. Right. Um, Again, it's why we try and have a a wide variety of beers here. You know, you might love my Hefeweizen, but hate my IPA. And that's fantastic. That's okay. You're allowed to. Um you know, maybe don't go and bash the IPA if sure. you're not an IPA drinker. Yeah. And I do see a lot of that on, on some of these apps. Yeah. I, when I check in on Untapped, I always try to, if I didn't like it, did I not like it because it was a bad beer or did I not like it because it was a bad version of this beer? Right. Yeah. I've seen too many like one star reviews. I hate barley wines. Well, then why did you review that barley <laughs> right. wine? You know? Yeah. Um, so all of that us brewers take with a grain of salt. Yeah. That's good. Um, all right, we have some listener questions we'll get through. And uh, Mike wants to know, what was your first beer here that you brewed at 14 Cannons and why? The first beer we made was 14 Cannons Pale Ale. Okay. And the reason for that, honestly, was you want to make a hoppy beer your first time around uh, firing up a new brew house, mm. just in case there are any mishaps during the day. Um, and so the hops could kind of cover that up. And we got really lucky. We had an awesome brew day. Again, Chris Ennegren was a huge help uh, yeah. with the brew house. And... Made a fantastic uh, double dry hopped uh, pale ale. Nice. Um, it's dry hopped with Amarillo and El Dorado. And so it's super aroma driven, like most of my hoppy beers are. Very low bitterness, 5.5% alcohol. A lot of oats in the recipe, so it's a big uh, mouthfeel. Nice. Nice big body uh, at only 5.5%. Nice. 
Uh, Alex wants to know what beer in all of your brewing have you been most proud of? I've been most proud of uh, the Meritzen. The first beer we tried today was the Maruna Meritzen. And that's, I, I told Greg off here that it's a recipe I've been trying to perfect for years, mm-hmm. ever since I tasted a Meritzen in Germany. And I found a new line of malts, the Barca line by Weirman, for you homebrewers out there. <laughs> and it's just a, a blend of Munich and Vienna from them. And I'm very happy with it and very proud of it. Nice. Uh, Jess wants to know what beer, whether it's yours or another brewery's, do you miss? Ooh, that's a great question. I miss the Sublimely Self-Righteous from Stone. It's a good one. I am a black IPA fan. Yeah. Um, I understand that there's not a huge market for it, and that's why they can't produce it year-round. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, is it good. That was so good. I I miss, I think if you ask me my number one, Kelly Belgique. Oh, yeah. Great. Love Kelly yeah. Belgique. Weird beer at first. Super weird. Super weird, uh, but, but awesome. Yeah. Uh, Shannon wants to know, what's your favorite style to brew versus drink? Ooh. Well, uh, I am a hop head, so I do love, you know, drinking all of the IPAs here. Uh, but it is a lot of fun to brew a lager and, you know, take the six weeks it takes sometimes yeah. to, you know, babysit that beer and step it down a couple degrees every day during the lagering process. Uh, so it's a lot of fun to make. And Christian wants to know, can you attribute one beer or brewery with getting you into craft beer? That's an excellent question. And yes, it's Sierra Nevada. I think for most professional brewers, um, plain and simple. Yeah, the they're the godfathers of craft beer, and that's the first craft beer I ever drank was a Sierra, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Nice. And then it was also the very first homebrew clone I ever did. Oh. So I just bought the clone kit for Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and you know here we are. How did it come out? A uh, terrible. <laughs> it was an extract mess, and yeah, you know uh, I didn't know what I was doing, and my little extract kit wasn't the greatest thing. We drank it all. Oh, of course. <laughs> it was drinkable. Yeah. I had uh, my first extract or extract clone was uh, Blind Pig. Oh, super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Tasted nothing like Nothing like it, right? Yeah. It was, it was fine. It was drinkable. Seven and a half percent. There you go. But uh, nothing like Blind Pig. Um, all right. The last thing we like to do here, rapid fire questions. Just give me the first answer that comes to mind. Don't think about it too much. Okay. First beer you ever drank? Uh, PBR. First beer you ever brewed? The Pale Ale. Sierra okay. First beer you brewed and sold? That would be Millennium Falconers at Ween's Brewing Company. Okay. Favorite beer food pairing? Anything with sausage. Uh, it's Tuesday night. What are you drinking? Patient Pilsner. What is your beercation destination? That has to be Prague, Ooh. Czech Republic. Favorite outside uh, non 14 cans beer? Uh, it's got to be a Five Threads beer. Nice. And favorite non beer hobby? Playing trumpet and skiing. I like it. And I need to know cans or bottles. Cans, hundred percent. Nice. Are you guys going to be distributing cans and bottles? That is the goal for twenty eighteen. Yeah, maybe you know quarter two, quarter three. Hopefully, we have some cans rolling off the line. That would be awesome. Yes, uh, canning is the future, and I won't I won't talk too much about it. But I could get up on the soapbox and talk to you for hours about <laughs> how canning is just such a better package than bottles when it's done well. No light, no air. Exactly. All it's that just good stuff. just picture a mini keg. Right. Are there any upcoming events that we should talk about? Uh, you know, not yet. We have some exciting things in the works here. Okay. We're starting up a barrel aging program. Ooh. Um, we actually have a private space across the parking lot. Nice. That is just a barrel storage facility. I'd say mid to late 2018, look for some exciting barrel age releases. Okay. So you guys come on out, say hi to Nick, uh, 14 Cannons, 31125 via Kalinas, number 907. That's in Westlake Village, California. It's not easy to find. No, it's not. Yeah. If you happen to know where Five Threads is, uh, it's an extra driveway, two driveways over. 
Uh, just go up, look for the signs. Luckily, you guys are smart. And you put out the signs like craft beer this way. There's signs, and at night, there's a ton of lights. We're in the very back of the parking lot. Absolutely. Just look for the lights. Yes, and you can get them at 14cannons.com and at 14cannons. It's 14 cannons on all the social medias. Don't forget to hashtag Beermuda Triangle. That's right. Whenever you drink some 14 cannons. And uh, is there anything I missed? Nah, you did a great job, Greg. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time, and, and thanks for the, the beer. Of course. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks one last time to Nick for letting me come in and talk and drink a little beer with him. Had a great time. I also appreciate him doing the interview today, even though he, uh, he was a bit under the weather. Troopered through, and, uh, you know, it's all for beer. So what can you say? If you're in the L.A. area, make sure you come out to 14 Cannons in Westlake Village, California. You know, it's northern L.A. County. Uh, you can find them at 14cannons.com, and that's one four, as well as at 14 Cannons. And all the social media platforms, hey, you're drinking and uh, taking pictures of your beer, put them on social media, make sure you hashtag Beer Muta Triangle if you're in the Westlake Village area, and uh, also hashtag show us your beers. Uh, make sure you check us out at theunfilteredgentleman.com, and we have a live brewery show coming up March 10th at Ennegrin Brewing in Moore Park, California. If you're in the Ventura County area, come on out to Moore Park, come on out to Ennegrin. They have some great beer. In fact, Nick had Chris Ennegrin help him out uh, when he was installing his system, so Look at that. It's all tied together. So coming out March 10th, you can get more information, facebook.com slash unfilteredgentlemen. We have an events page up there. Check it out. Uh, don't forget to follow us on all our other social medias as well, the Unfiltered Gentleman and at Unfiltered Gents on Twitter. We would like if you left us a drunk voicemail, drunk dial us at 805-538-BEER. It's 2337. And I think that's just about it. Hopefully everybody out there is staying hydrated. And on that note, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.